Hi, and welcome back to the Get Outside with Kids podcast. Uh, this is a really fun one because we were recording this as we just established in three different time zones today uh, with three moms here. This is Jen speaking, of course, Kate, our other co-host, and we've got a guest, uh, Nikki Farrell, coming on with us today. Um, and I just want to start off in saying just like congrats, everybody, for getting three moms with kids, putting kids to bed, middle of the day, middle of the evening. Coordination is frankly uh, a huge accomplishment. And if you're listening in as a parent, you know how hard it is to coordinate with like one parent friend, never mind with two parent friends when you're in different time zones. Um, And so today on the podcast, we have Nikki. Nikki was raised on a farm in remote South Australia, and she has all these amazing memories of all this time sounds like spent outside. So with that love of the outdoors in mind, Nikki led to open her own business called the Wildlings Forest School with another co-founder, Vicki Oliver, in 2017. The business offers nature playgroups, forest kindy, homeschool programs, school excursions, and a whole bunch of other stuff that we're going to hear about on the podcast today. I'm so excited. And thank you for organizing this and being patient with our time zones. Nikki, welcome to the Get Outside with Kids podcast. Thank you so much. And again, huge congratulations to the three of us working this out. (laughs) It's not easy, but we do it and we're here. Yay. I just complicated things by going on holidays to Australia. So I've just made it all much harder than it would have been if it was only two time zones. But uh, yeah, no, thanks for being with us today, Nikki. And um, Nikki and I are both based in Australia right now as we record this. Um, I'll be heading back to Canada pretty soon. But Nikki, we'd love to hear from you um, a little bit about, you know, why why getting outside with kids is important to you and the kind of motivation, you know, as Jen kind of touched on here in your background and growing up in South Australia um, and spending a lot of time outdoors. We'd love to hear how that's kind of influenced your journey to, to creating Wildlings Forest School and also your parenting as well. Mm, yeah, it does. It's being outside affects all of those things for me. But I think growing up on a farm um, was amazing. And it wasn't until I started working in, you know, quote unquote, real jobs and a nine to five of an, in an office that I was like, oh, this is why I need to be outdoors. I really felt I'm not suited to a box. I've learned really quickly, um, which is great. It's good to know. And I probably had to trial that to know that. I took the long way around to do my teaching degree and I'm, I guess, by trade an English and H health and physical education teacher. And so a big, I guess, indicator, like the canary in the coal mine for me was seeing the epidemic of mental health issues in teenagers right now, which is just horrific, frankly. And I love teenagers and to see them really wallowing in depression and anxiety and the system unable to help that in many ways was a real kick up the butt for me to go, "Mm, do I want this for my own children? And at the same time, I had my two boys, they're now eight and 10. uh, And I thought I was going to go down the daycare route. And then I checked a few out locally and went, oh, maybe not. I did some play groups and they were indoor play groups and children were fighting over plastic toys and they were really structured and kids were screaming because they didn't want to leave the activity that we're doing. And I was overstimulated, you know, breastfeeding hormones. And I was like, what are we doing to these children and to myself and as, as mothers? And went, surely there's a nature play group around here. And there was. And I went to Vicky's and we met and we hit it off. And the rest is kind of history. Now we've got Wildlings Forest School. I think it's so funny how you describe that you were overstimulated. Because yeah. I mean, I'm sure as parents, I'm sure as parents, I know Jen and I have had that experience where you go to somebody's house even for a play date and there's like two kids and it gets 
really stupidly intense, right? And it feels like, why is this so hard to be in a room with another kid with some toys? But then you add in multiple kids, multiple toys, multiple personalities, heaps of different parenting styles. Like it's a surprise that it can ever work to gather kids indoors together in any setting. It, it actually, again, I haven't been, we went to the big smoke, you know, went to Brisbane on the weekend with our kids and we ended up at a huge shopping mall and I don't frequent them often, just don't need to. And I was there and I, and so many moments like parent to parent, I looked over and went, why do we drag toddlers into shopping malls? It's like fluorescent lights and billboards and flashing lights and everything at child level that they're not allowed to touch and don't lick that, don't touch that. And I just went, again, why are we doing this to children? But why are we doing it to ourselves? Like it's so overstimulating and it's not a naturally conducive environment for good behavior for anyone. I have a very vivid memory of one time taking both kids to the mall myself. They were like, what? Let's say like two and four. And I needed my older child, like my oldest child to try on some shoes. I was like, I'm just going to suck it up. We're going to go to the mall, go to a couple of kids' shoe stores. And it was disaster. Like I'm in a kid's clothing store. So I'm kind of like, well, they're used to having children in here, but it was a disaster. I was getting side eye looks from everyone. My two-year-old's like taking things off the rack, throwing things on the floor. My four-year-old is refusing to try shoes on. And I was just like, you know what? I will just go to the mall. I'll buy a few pairs of shoes. And if they don't fit, I will go back and return them at a future date because that is better than trying to big two children to the mall. And, you know, you end up parking at the wrong side of the mall and the shoe store you need is up on the other side of the mall because I can never remember where it is. So, yeah, I uh, I am a big believer in just like home delivery service or going to the mall myself, picking it out and being yeah. like, if I need to return shoes because they don't fit, then that is still a better option. That's that's the hot tip for the whole podcast today is lower yeah, that's it. so nikki can you tell us a little bit about you know when you started wildlings forest school and what it's like and maybe some of the programs that you've offered or that you started offering at the beginning there um because i think it sounds amazing you know nature playgroups and forest kindy and all these outdoor sort of things they sound like the kinds of things that we want our kids to get into but i think a lot of people don't actually understand what that means Mm -hmm. and particularly with the kind of Australia versus Canada versus the US, we have listeners from a lot of different places who might not sort of understand the context of that. So can you tell us a little bit about what what it actually involves in your case Um, and maybe what you've learned about kids and how they kind of interact through those programs? Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so we started with, Vicky already had a nature play group and hilariously I, was, I thought going into it was like, oh, this is so hippie. This is going to be such a hippie thing. I'm not going to fit in. Well, it turns out I'm a hippie because I loved it. <laughs> and I think I think being aware of those you know, preconceived ideas and knowing that you don't know until you turn up. And um, if I've got one piece of advice for parents, it's just go and give it a go. Put yourself out there and don't be attached to one playgroup, whether that's a nature playgroup or not, but we need we need the outdoors, we need social contact, we need to get out of the house and we need to normalise, you know, how difficult those early years are as well. So we started with a nature playgroup, that was great. Then we started with another one and eventually we went, God, we're putting in so much effort and at the time we were running them for free. And so, you know, you're turning up every week, weekly, you're planning, you're providing resources. And eventually we went, you know what, we need to be, we need to value our own time and we need to reimburse ourselves for this. You know, women constantly don't value their time. We put ourselves in these caring roles, which is great. We need that. Um, But we do ourselves a disservice sometimes too. 
And people don't take free things seriously. That's one thing I've learned as a business. Uh, they'll often drop them and forget about them or just let them slide. So anyway, from there we started, our children were getting older and they needed something more. So we started a forest kindy. So kindy age here in Australia is, I'm guessing, preschool for you guys. So under about five or six. Uh, and that involved more skills-based things. So working with pocket knives, fire, cooking around fire, building rafts, just being outdoors, free playing. And then from there, those children's parents said to us, oh, you know, my child's at school. Do you offer holiday programs? And we went, oh, my goodness, surely that's illegal. We can't just do that. Give us two weeks. We'll look into it. And that's what we did. So we looked into it. It is legal. <laughs> and, you know, we had to obviously update a whole lot of things around our policies and procedures and, and staffing and whatnot, but we hired staff. And now we run homeschool programs, holiday programs for school children, festivals and events, excursions and incursions for schools, professional development for educators. And that's a really big aim for us as humans. You know, the purpose behind our business is to get more children outdoors and we don't, nor should we, monopolise the industry in our area. So empowering educators to get more children outdoors is the best way that we can see to do it. Uh, and a podcast ourselves as well and a shop because people kept asking us where they could get these tools for their children. So that's what we do now. We went from a free play group. Uh, we now have been running for six years this month and we hire 40 staff around between the southeast Queensland. So yeah, start, do it is my advice. Just go and give it a crack. <laughs> well, those, we've had uh, a lot of guests on our show who are educators themselves, um, either early childhood or teachers, mm -hmm. um, outdoor educators. Um, and, I mean, outdoor educators are probably different. But say in the kind of traditional um, education setting of a classroom and that kind of thing, um, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of training that you provide to educators there and, like, how you're sort of helping them adapt traditional indoor kind of lesson plans maybe. Um, we did have uh, Angela Hanscomb on last year in 2022 and she was amazing mm -hmm. talking about, you know, there's this idea in our heads that uh, that learning happens in a classroom setting where you're sitting down looking at a whiteboard or a blackboard back in my day um, and <laughs> that, you know, we need to shape that up because learning happens in so many different ways. Can you tell us a little bit about what you actually, how you train educators and what that involves and what you're kind of setting them up to do with their classes? Mm -hmm. So ironically, and this probably helps, so to give you a bit of background, I'm a, yes, I'm a high school teacher, but I now actually homeschool, but more to the point, unschool my own children. And that's kind of bled through to our our professional development with our educators as well because we find we often have to de-school educators about what learning is, what it can look like and how we can do it because like you said we feel really safe in a classroom in a box because you know we can contain children and it's a controlled, very controlled environment. Whereas when we go outdoors, when we're not used to it, um, it can feel more, you know, bring up anxiety. So, you know, what if little Johnny, poor little Johnny gets a bad rap. Um, what if he runs off? What if such and such picks up a stick? What we teach teachers and educators is how to create safe guidelines around those things. Yes, if you take your students outside, anywhere near trees, they will find a stick and they will pick it up. And excuse the French, but they bloody well should be allowed to because they're children and that is a really great learning resource. All we need to do, like we do with 
knives and scissors and pencils and anything else with a sharp end, we teach children how to use it. And that's all we do. So, you know, we don't take pencils away from children just because they have a sharp end and we don't take scissors away from them. We teach them how to use it. So with a stick, for example, we teach teachers to teach children about a blood bubble or if you don't like, if the blood bubble is a bit visual, (laughs) you can use a safety circle. So we suggest sticks as long as your arm and no longer when we're learning. Um, A, because our peripheral vision is quite small until we're about 12 years of age. So you want something that you can have a safe, really, most children know what their personal bubble is. If you get a stick much longer than that, their awareness kind of drops. So we get children to hold the top of the stick instead of just swinging it around and dragging the bottom of the stick on the ground when they're walking. And that way, they're not going to hit their friends with it as well. Um, And they're the main things, really, is and then children will want to kind of have stick fight and that's up to you then whether you allow those or not but they need to be monitored for a while until you can trust that your children are going to be able to use a stick safely so that's one thing that we do but nature links so naturally to all of the Australian curriculum it links to all curriculums Canadian American any curriculum you give to me whether it's the early years primary school or high school secondary school it links So it's just a matter of empowering teachers to see where that learning is happening. And sometimes we need to backwards map, which the early years are fantastic at. So, you know, Jen's out there and she's playing with a stick and she's just lined 10 sticks up in in order of size. That's learning. That's maths. That's mathematics. Whereas primary school doesn't allow for that so much here in Australia. It's quite stringent and regimented in how we assess. Um, But there are a great curriculum. There are great resources out there where you can create class lessons. And all we do is we suggest that you start easily. I'm an English teacher. My favorite lessons were taking a book outside and just reading under the trees. My students were a different class sitting under the shade of a beautiful eucalyptus tree than they were trying to read inside the classroom. So just start small, just learn that your children are capable and able and trustworthy because I think that is the biggest gap, that we assume that little Johnny is going to be the runner when actually little Johnny is probably going to flourish outdoors. I love that. Now, I feel like you touched on a few points there. Um, I feel like when parents maybe first come to you, do you get a lot of concern about this risky play? I imagine you have some parents who you know, maybe they're coming from a more strict kind of curriculum based environment, and they are really worried about Johnny running off or with a stick. And how do you kind of address some of those concerns from, you know, from a brand new parent who's new to this, and maybe just kind of elaborate on some of the things you share about risky play and how that's important Mm -hmm. to kind of calm the fears of that first time parent kind of embarking on this journey? Yeah, um, Angus Gorey, we know and know his work. Uh, He's with the outside advocates. And he talks about that, It's not risky play, it's play with risk. It's not nature play, it's play in nature. So the focus should always be play. And nowadays what we see as risky was just what we used to do as children. You know, show me a parent that never picked up a stick as a child and didn't play with it. Show me a a parent that, you know, didn't used to put a stick in a fire and play with it. Again, it's we need to be allowing children to do these with safe guidelines. So just to clarify, because we do have the word school at the end of our business, but we're actually an outdoor rec provider here by, like, if you're looking into legal terms here in Australia. So we're not an Australian school, but we're an outdoor rec business. But we do go into schools and everything we do fits under the regulations and laws here. And that's also a gap in an Australian educator's knowledge is that they think that they can't because they don't see it. 
So what we're providing is the opportunity for people to see it. And once it's modeled, they go, oh my goodness, look how amazing little Johnny was today. Look at him excel in these skills when he really might struggle sometimes in the classroom. So we're, because we are a brand and we're a business, all of the, the work that we do, if you look at our social media, it's all about adventurous play. We try to take, when we started, it was all about risky play and we've tried to flip that and we've tried to call it play with adventure, or adventurous play because it's less scary to parents and really ultimately parents are who buy our our programs. Um, but our aim as a business is education and we need to educate parents on the importance of that because we have this, again, epidemic of you know, if you hear our generation complain about the younger generations, they're not resilient, you know, they're so anxious. It's because we're not giving them opportunities to make decisions for themselves. It's because we don't trust them, because we don't trust them. We don't let them learn to trust themselves and they doubt themselves so much. So I think outdoor rec is one of the best outdoor time, the best ways to build self-confidence in children and teenagers and show them that they are able and capable human beings. So that would be my recommendation is start slowly, but get them outdoors and let them free play because that's what they need. Hey, Nikki, it sounds like you have a lot of things going on here. You've got a business, <laughs> you have added a podcast into that, you have many aspects to your business and you just mentioned that you decided to homeschool your kids. As in, I, Jen is uh, an entrepreneur who started her own business. I have a full-time job as well. How on earth are you managing all of that? Because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot of things. How do you have a business and homeschool and do, you know, like do mm. anything other than those two things, which sounds like two kind of full-time jobs? Mm. How do you balance that? And how do you also then, you know, I find one of the things that's interesting is when you're setting up a business or you're, you know, running a podcast or you're working in social media, none of those things are solely outside. They involve computer work yeah. or they, you know, so how do you manage homeschooling your kids, running a business and also spending time outside. I have an incredible support system around me, um, but that has been very purposeful. But A, acknowledging privilege as well. So I'm, I'm very privileged. I'm white. I'm Australian. I've grown up middle class. Straight away, I, I acknowledge that that puts me you know, up here in an equity game. Um, my husband and I chose once we had children to never work full time. Um, that meant financially that we sacrificed things, you know, holidays overseas and whatnot, but that was because we wanted to be with our families. And then the answer to the business side was badly in the beginning. <laughs> we did it badly. I did a lot of nights. I got very close to burnout. There was one really memorable day where we'd been running for about 18 months, maybe two years, um, and we were probably on the cusp of, of a real growth point in our lives. And we needed to hire staff and we were like, no, no, we can't afford it. It's too hard. It's too scary. We'll be fine. We'll be okay. I can tell you right now we weren't. <laughs> um, we went to, and my youngest uh, took an ambulance to hospital with asthma one night and I was meant to be running a program and being the supervisor. Long story short, obviously couldn't. Went, it was pouring down with rain, nearly cancelled the program, got a volunteer in to help. But on the way there, as I was dropping gear off, I got bogged. I got my period. My youngest was throwing tantrums. It was, I just sat in the car and just like he, like he cried. I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, and that was the point where I was like, okay, I need beep staff. I really need to get over my fears of this. <laughs> 
and I need support. I can't do this on my own. And I've got Vicky, right? Vicky's, I've got two people and it's still too much for us. So we started hiring staff and they have been the best. And I don't want to say investment because that's so capitalistic, but the best <laughs> thing for our business because they come with such heart and they believe in our aim, sometimes even more so than us. And they look after our baby even better than us when because we can't. We're homeschooling. I had gastro last night with my youngest and I was up four times. I can't run a program today. I would kill somebody. So <laughs> they step up and they take over and they're incredible. So yeah. And we've also chosen to live on the same property as my mum and her husband. And that was a really thought out process and a really big decision. And thankfully that's worked out really well. So we've halved our mortgage and we've got acreage now when we were living in town. And while we don't have the weekly support from them, it's they're there. And if poop hits the fan, then um, <laughs> which, you kids yeah, which it does. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> quite right. literally. It literally did last night and <laughs> she could drop a meal off or it's just, it's an honestly just nice knowing they're there that that's enough sometimes. So um, yeah, support and asking for help and being really particular about our lifestyle choices and, I can't work full-time. I can't unschool and work and do all those things full-time. It's a recipe for disaster. Don't do it. <laughs> Just to follow up on one word you used that I don't think Canadians would use. When Nikki says she got bogged, that means her oh. car got stuck in the sand or the mud and couldn't get out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you said that, I was like, I know what that is because I'm Australian. But anyway, um, so that's not like a perfect storm of like sometimes things have to almost hit rock bottom right mm -hmm. before you realize like this is not going to work um and also i love that you chose and, and you you say staff are not the investment but the decision to invest in salaries for example yeah. that's an investment in your business and it's an investment in for your customers as well i love what you said that like it's okay to get paid too yeah. it's okay to not just put this stuff out into the world for free and you know you, you um I, I know that you would encourage parents who don't have access to uh say an outdoor play program maybe they can create their own but that it's okay for it to be a profitable thing Absolutely. you can make money you can deliver a great service to people and you can make money and you can help people get outside so all of those things can happen at the same time you don't have to sacrifice your mental health your kids education your car hopefully you got unbogged at some point <laughs> yeah <laughs> for the good of the mission like that doesn't make it a better product for for the customers anyway right no and and, and we've learned that the hard way too you know when we were offering there was at one point we were doing really well with other programs that we said you know what playgroup's not doing so well um we should probably cut it let's cut it it's it's too much effort for what it's worth because that was our lowest, you know, price point because of where parents are and what we offer. And anyway, we said, you know what, let's try putting it up and see what happens. And then maybe we only need one or two more people and that will make it worth it. And what happened was we nearly doubled our numbers by putting the price up because people then valued what we offered rather than offering a free program. So there's a little bit of marketing and psychology into the human brain and insight into how we work. So it was the same product. We still offer the same thing, but people took it more seriously. And when you pay money, you're more likely to get out of bed and not to skip it. And that's what we want. We want that regular community turning up weekly and not being rain shy or weather shy. It's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's, you know, it's too windy because children and humans need to be outside in all weather because it benefits us in no matter what the weather. So, and women need to be paid. 
<laughs> I feel like um, that reminds me, we had Melissa Lem on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks back. Well, we recorded it last year, but the episode went live um, just a couple of weeks ago. And she's the uh, one of the founders of the Nature Prescription Program here in Canada. I'm not mm. sure if you've heard about it in Australia, but it's a program where doctors can literally prescribe nature, um, you know, as part of a as part of a regimen for your health. And I, I kind of asked Melissa the same question, and I was kind of like, well, does it actually work? Like you're writing a prescription for nature. Does it really make an impact? And it was kind of that legitimacy of the program. And by writing it down from a doctor, kind of like the same way people invest in a program with you, it just made it more legitimate. And it really brought that benefits, that science benefits, the medical benefits of going outside in nature. Um, it just made it more real and people actually follow through. And so she said kind of that same thing that when you give someone a prescription or when they invest in a program, they actually do it. Therefore, they actually get the results that they're looking for. So I think it's really important to your point that people invest in programs, whether it's, you know, PARPS prescription or they're investing in programs for you to, to just to make that commitment to get outside um, and spend more time in nature. Um, I wanted to kind of ask you for your own children, like you've kind of seen this, you know, over the last five years and your children have gone through this, you know, this program kind of alongside you. Have you noticed changes in them and maybe their uh, self-esteem and what they're comfortable with this adventurous play doing outside as they've been working alongside you in these programs? Yeah, it's funny. Um, because they, they've never been to school and they've never been to daycare, I haven't noticed it. But other people comment. So whether it's as simple as, wow, your children can climb really high and really well, as simple as that, <laughs> or, oh, my goodness, you're, you know, and I'm being obviously very biased here, you know, your children are so kind and empathetic and whatnot. So I, I think and their connection and their knowledge of nature blows my mind. I ask my children to ID birds here for me in Australia and often other animals and plants as well. I'll ask them if I'm not sure and they often nail it. So there's that ecological literacy I think that we've lost and I'm sure you've spoken to people about, you know, those studies in Japan where children know more Pokemon than, you know, they don't know 10 plants in their backyard or, you know, they know a thousand corporate logos but they don't know 10 plants in their backyard. So I know my children know that stuff simply from being outdoors, not from me. It's from our wider community. So whether, you know, it's another parent or we get a guest speaker in that IDs two plants for them, they just keep building that knowledge. Um, they're very coordinated and in tune with their bodies, I would say is a really big thing. And they're very confident and, and quite resilient at this moment. I don't know whether that's not going to school. I don't know whether that's nature. I don't know what that is. But as a whole, we won't go to school because we're so happy with how they're going. We're not looking at doing anything differently, if that if that surmises it. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, if it ain't broke, broke, fix it. Like, yeah. like if it works for you and your family and uh, you see your kids out happy and healthy and thriving like why would you change it you know Nikki we as you've kind of touched on with your story of when everything kind of blew up on one of those days you had a program coming you decided to hire more staff we love hearing stories of when things went wrong um <laughs> because it's easy to think oh well Nikki runs these programs all the time or Nikki has a whole business around this she must have just you know it must be really easy for you to take kids outside do you have some stories you can share maybe of like with participants maybe it's with kids who aren't used to being outside mm -hmm. and things went wrong during I mean in some cases things go wrong every single day but where things went really wrong yeah. um and hopefully everybody's okay now but uh any stories like that you can share from from your experience with Wild Things Frosty. Yeah it firstly is that it's still sometimes not easy because the, you know the human beings and they're not always 
don't always want to go on a hike, even though I do. So, I, you know, the tips there would be just keeping your car full of spare gear, spare clothes, make sure you've got a water bottle in there. I keep it like a tub, a plastic tub, so that if gear is wet, I can just throw it in and I'm not worried about mess. Uh, and I keep a spare towel in my back. And this is all because I've had bad days. <laughs> they've been wet, they've been muddy, they've been screaming, they've been cold. You know, I've created that tub of gear to try and prevent those hard days outdoors. But as far as business goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. We've had children come down and say they've never seen or touched mud before. We've had children in Australia say they've never climbed trees before. One in four Australians have never climbed a tree and we're meant to be the, the outdoors country. It's wild what we believe compared to what the statistics actually tell us. We've had schools come down, much to our disgust, where they have an educator plop a child into the tree, sit them down for two seconds, pick them up and bring them down again. So they're not allowed to go in the tree, but they want the child to have that experience and pop them in. The, and I'm talking a tree less than a metre high, you know, a beautiful limb, perfect oh introduction to tree climbing. Again, this is here in Australia where... We think we know and do better. We, I can tell you right now when the schools that come through, most of them don't. They're terrified. They're terrified of being sued. They're terrified of injuring a child. Mm. And they're terrible of, of being cancelled on social media and the backlash of that. So we need more squeaky wheels. We need more parents standing up for play. And we need more parents to be educated in the importance of play and play with risk and play with adventure because what we're the the damage that the cotton wool in the cotton wooling of our children is doing we're now seeing that in these teenagers coming through now and they're not okay frankly they're they're not okay so cotton wooling them you think might be helping them here but as they're getting older it's actually damaging them so you know a few bruises and scrapes is is good for a child you know they need that and actually dirt is great for your gut microbiome so let them play in dirt let them eat a little dirt they'll be better off for it. <laughs> yeah, how interesting and how how crazy. I mean, I, I'm i currently in Australia. I normally live in Canada and mm. I've been thinking here kind of what you said, like, oh, well, the weather's always good in Perth where I'm from. It's always nice. Surely kids are spending so much time outside. And, I mean, it's summer holidays right now, so there are kids, a lot of kids out and about. But from what you're saying, like just because the weather's nice and just because you can go outside, it doesn't mean that kids are going outside. It also doesn't mean that they're involving themselves in any of the kinds of play and adventure that you describe, right? Because going to a playground and playing on sort of safe play equipment is not the same as exploring in the forest and climbing a tree and falling out of the tree. Um, it's just not the same experience. So it's really interesting to hear that because I've been reflecting a lot on the differences between Canada and Australia while I'm here. Yeah, when we were first introduced to the forest school philosophy, it was a real wake-up call, exactly like you said. The weather here is perfect, and especially in Queensland where the worst we get is warm rain, not even cold when it rains here. So there is no excuse to be not be outside. But our children are just as bad as the US and Canada. You know, our primary school-age children are on devices seven to eight hours a day, and our teenagers are 11 hours a day. So... That when are they getting time outside of that to not just go to sport, not just go to a birthday party and actually play freely? Because when they play, play freely, a lot of what they're doing is actually downloading. You know, they're regulating their emotions as well. They're processing what has happened during the day. When we shove a screen in their face or they pick up the screen, it's not parents' fault, um, always, 
we're not we're not allowing them that time to decompress and so then when we take that screen away from them as well not only have we not allowed that we've then got this feeling and these emotions bubbling below and they need to go somewhere so quite often you'll see when we take a screen away you'll have an emotional outburst because we haven't let them process those emotions so it's really important to let them have that time particularly after school or after if they've had an emotional time at a birthday party encourage them to get outside and climb a tree stare at the grass look at the ants and just let that download happen naturally because we're doing again our children but ourselves we're making parenting so much harder on ourselves by doing these things that the children aren't meant to be in a box they're not meant to go from a bed to a to a room to a car to a classroom and back again you know we were animals at heart we need fresh air sunshine and water to thrive we don't want children that are fine we want children that thrive thriving and to do that they need to be outdoors is really it yeah i think when we had some guests on we actually had kate's parents on a podcast episode um and i think that kind of throwback to like kate's parents told the story that when they were kids they were given like here's a bit of food <laughs> go cook it over a fire literally in the forest outside and come back for dinner like the extreme of like here's some food uncooked <laughs> go cook it yourself and they were just sent outside for like the day in the woods you know alone and then by the time we got to our generation i felt like uh, you know i was outside a lot maybe i wasn't cooking food over a fire outside but certainly i had the upbringing of like i walked home from school with my friends we played outside all evening and our parents would have the whole like okay come in for dinner maybe around six o'clock um and then all weekends and weekends were pretty much open time not a lot of structured activities you might have like a structured activity but there wasn't that pressure of all of these other like you have to go to these lessons and you have to go to this activity it was just like there's the backyard Good, enjoy, you know, and that was kind of how parent parenting. And I was kind of like, I'm jealous. I want a parent like that, where we just send our children out on the streets and like, goodbye, children, come back later. Um, and I feel like our generation of parents is we're both suffering, right? Like the children are suffering from the lack of outside time. And us as parents are suffering from this lack of like, well, the kids have to be in activities 24 seven, and we have to keep them stimulated. And we have to do all these things when, when actually, what we really need to do is slow down and just spend more time outside as a family together since we can't leave our children mm. as unattended as we used to back in the day. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's that misinformation too. You know, we're doing that as parents because we think we're being misinformed that that's what's best for children. But the research shows that that's the opposite. You know, if we want children that are doing better academically, mentally, physically, and emotionally, then we actually need to get them outdoors. And there's so much research even in schools that if they do it's, I think it's only half an hour. I don't even think it's an hour of outdoor time during school time. Then they do better. They're more engaged. Their attendance is, is better. Their behavior is better and their academics improve. So again, like we just need to educate parents and educators that this is good for everybody. It's actually helping everybody. So take, send them outdoors, send them out with some snags, some sausages and Go let them cook over a fire, but give them the safety guidelines first. You know, don't do it with them first. Do it a couple of times, then do it within sight. But that enabling them and giving them that confidence, you, you're telling them that you believe in them and you trust in their abilities to be responsible and to make smart, responsible decisions and to assess risk dynamically because you know they can. And that's how we grow resilient children. 
Great. So, Nikki, um, if anyone listening in here would like to hear more about Wildlings Forest School and your podcast, where are the best places to check out uh, more information about Wildlings Forest School and all the other things that you offer? Yeah, thank you. Our website's wildlingsforestschool.com and then our Instagram and socials, all the socials are essentially the same thing. And if you're interested in starting your own wild business or nature play business, then you can head to our website and check that out too because that's that's my passion project. That's what I love doing because the more of us that there are and the more businesses like ours it's not a franchise it is if you want to start a business we will help you start a business because we need more of them we need to make these programs more accessible and more available and we can't and won't and don't want to do that on our own we want it needs to be place-based and people-based because that's where you get that true nature place-based learning so come and join us on the website and just do it just start it (laughs) i love it thanks Thank you so much, Nikki, for sharing all of that. We're going to drop the links into the show notes that you can find where you can start your own business. I love this idea. Maybe I'll take on a new business venture uh, as well here. Why not? Um, Make sure that you, if you like this episode, make sure you hit subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'd love if you would share this with a friend. We really want Nikki's message to get out there. Uh, We need to be those squeaky wheels, as you said earlier, uh, so that we can spread the message of just getting kids outside more, maybe advocating for more outside time for your school, or just creating your own outside play group um, in a community where you are located. We'll be back next week with another episode of Get Outside with Kids. In the meantime, head over to our Instagram page and let us know what you liked about the episode and we'll be sharing more about Nikki's posts coming soon.